Good morning. Are you well? Good, I hope so. Did you uh, enjoy Thanksgiving this week? Anyone? Yeah, our, our plans did not go as we thought, um, but thus is 2020, is it not? Uh, but we, we still had a good time. Um, and last week, man, how many of you were here for Sunday last week? Okay, yeah, yeah, come on. Um, I love that service every year, and I know we said that last week, but man, just, it's one thing to believe and trust that God is working in our midst and in our hearts and in individuals in this place, but man, it is such a gift of his mercy when we get to, I, f- I forget, there, AC. I think that every time Pastor Nick step under here, I'm like, guys, step out of there, that's the AC. So I'm gonna try to, it's the dead zone. Um, but man, when God, when God allows us to see the work in each other's lives, as we express, as we tell of what God is doing in our, in our lives, in our hearts, and how he's working and changing, man, that is so powerful. And, and personally, I just wanted to thank you, church, um, on behalf of me and my wife, on behalf of the pastors and staff. Man, you guys so richly blessed us last week. Um, I remember Sunday night just opening card after card and just being so overwhelmed that I'm sitting there on our bedroom floor and my wife can tell you I'm just like oh as I'm opening each one I'm seeing these names I'm just like oh, my heart is melting and and not just for that but like throughout every year all the years I've been on staff you guys you have taken such good care of us as as a staff as pastors we are so privileged and I take it for granted I've never been on staff in another church and I don't know if I want to be um, you guys, and, and, and I see the, the Holy Spirit in you guys just through your generosity and through your kindness. And just to be able to witness that and to be on the receiving end of that is a pretty sweet deal. Um, and so I just want to thank you guys and uh, just thank you for how well you love me and, and you love us as, as pastors. So, and one of the themes I think that came up uh, last week over and over again was just the reality of 2020 has been a rough year. Has it not? I mean, for me personally, I identify with Jake. You know, me and Jake both got married this year. Come on, somebody. Y'all been wanting me to get hitched for who knows how long now, right? So it happened. Somehow it happened, man. And uh, my wife is the greatest blessing um, on earth to me. And I love her and we're enjoying marriage. But even though that is probably the highlight of my life thus far, I forget those brutal moments that this year has brought to me personally. And I think a lot of us can relate. that there's been some hard struggles, not just for our world and our community and our nation, but for us as individuals. So as we are on the cusp now of 2021, forget it, I'm just going to stand there anyway. You guys are going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry. When we're coming now to the end of this year into 2021, how do we move forward as individuals, church? How do we move forward as a church with, with more than a perspective that simply values surviving or just kind of getting through and just making it, but a perspective that values, man, how do I bear the fruit of the Spirit? How do I live the abundant life that Jesus said was possible? How do we thrive as a community and individuals church? And I think the last chapter of Exodus has a very good answer for us. We've been in this book many months, most of this year. We took a break during the summer, but... Um, For most of this year, we've been going through this book, and here we are, the last Sunday in Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead, turn to chapter 40. Turn to chapter 40. Before you stand, I'm going to do a little review, um, because it's been a while. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground. We're going to be at the end. We're going to start in verse 34 and read there. Um, And if you're paying attention, as we've been in this series, last week was Thanksgiving service. The week before that, we were in chapters 34 and 35. So you're wondering what happened to the other chapters in between 40. Well, basically what happens is those chapters are basically God reinstituting the covenant and 
so it's basically a, a repeating of the law and then Moses is putting up the tabernacle and putting and basically doing everything God commanded him to do and so we kind of covered that when we talked about the tabernacle and you guys most of us I think are familiar with the story of Exodus the children of Israel in bondage Moses comes let my people go you know they get out eventually after God decimates Egypt through the ten plagues they get to the Red Sea bam opens up they get on the other side Egyptian army is drowned they worship God, they have this awesome worship session, and then they turn around and there's a wilderness. And they don't know where they're going. There's a promised land out there, but God is going to test his people now. Are they going to trust him to provide? And if you remember, they miserably fail every test. They miserably fail. And eventually they get, I'm skipping a lot of things in there, but eventually they get to Mount Sinai, right? And God says, hey, look, okay, Israel, I want to make a covenant with you. The same covenant that I made with your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm renewing that right now. I'm going to make that covenant with you. I want you to be my special people in all the earth if you will trust me and walk with me, and I will make you a blessing to the rest of the earth. That was the original plan with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he sends that to Moses. Moses comes to the people and says, okay, this is the terms of the covenant, okay? This is the law. We've got to set up the sacrificial system. God is going to dwell in our midst. The living God is going to dwell in our midst in this tabernacle. They say, awesome, sounds great, we'll do everything required. Moses says, all right. He goes to God, says, okay, they'll do it. And God says, all right, come up to the mountain, Moses. He gives them the Ten Commandments, gives them the blueprints and instructions for uh, the tabernacle so God can dwell with his people. And before Moses even gets off the darn mountain, the covenant is destroyed. And the people are like, well, Moses has been up there a couple weeks. Don't think he's coming back. We need some new gods that are going to go before us. Moses comes down from the mountain. He's like, what? what? What is happening? Breaks the Ten Commandments. God's like, I'm done. You've seen this people, Moses. They're stiff-necked. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth and start over with you. Moses is like, Lord, please don't. And God says, okay, fine. But I ain't going with you. Y'all can have an angel and you can go to your happy promise land. And, God, and Moses says, no, that's not going to work either, Lord. We need you. And, Mo and God's like, okay, fine. So he punishes the people, they, and um, then he calls Moses up to the mountain again to reinstitute the covenant that they just broke. And then that's how, when we get to chapter 40, he comes down, they make the tabernacle, they do, they obey, they build all the stuff. You got these special guys, Bezalel and Aholiab, who make the tabernacle. And then if you see uh, verse 33 of chapter 40, right before where we're going to start reading, he erected the courtyard all around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the curtain of the courtyard gate, so Moses finished the work. And so here we are at the end of Exodus. Would you stand as we read this together? Verse 34, Exodus 40. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter into the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When the cloud was lifted up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel would set out on all their journeys. But if the cloud was not lifted up, then they did not set out until the day it was lifted. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. This is a pretty crazy picture of what's going on. God did what he said he was going to do, and he comes. And so the question now that we are faced with at the end of Exodus that we should be asking is, how in the world... Is this sinful people with a track record of zero failure going to be, somehow live in this fragile system with a holy God? That's the question we should be asking. And I think this right here is the pattern. 
It is a pattern of dependence upon God and trusting him as he leads them through the wilderness. And church, for us as new covenant believers, that pattern is the same. And so this is the statement. You can be seated in a minute. This is the statement that I want us to move forward today into the message. That the only life that pleases God, the only way that Israel was somehow going to live in this covenant, the only life that pleases God is the life lived in dependence on the Spirit by faith in Jesus. The only life that pleases, that's on the screens, guys. Can you put that? That's epic. I wrote that. There it is. The only life that pleases God is the life lived in dependence upon the Spirit by faith in Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for another day. Your mercies are new. And Lord, what matters is that your word is here and that you are here. Lord, we desperately need to hear from you. And God, I am so inadequate to deliver this message, Lord. There's so much I want to say, but Lord, I pray that you know what needs to be heard. You know what people are hungry for this morning. God, it's you. And so I pray that you would be just tangible to us today, Lord, that you would work in a way we can understand. Lord, thank you for everyone joining online. Thank you for how you've kept our church safe in the midst of this virus. We praise you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you that you're with us, God. Would you speak? Would you speak and have your way in this place? Lord, give me peace and confidence as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So, I'm curious. Does anyone in here feel like they can comfortably say they know how to dance? And I don't mean, okay, that's right, that's right. I don't mean the, you know, uh, the bride and groom sway, you know, for three and a half minutes while everyone watches. Nor do I mean that, you know, one move you can throw down or something. I mean, like, you have a concept of a style of dancing. You, you, you understand the movements. You know enough moves to where you could, you, could get a, you could get by. Is anyone like that in here, honestly? Don't be ashamed. Okay, okay, all right. So I'm not one of those people either. And neither are most of you, I guess, right? But I love to dance. Even if I'm making a fool of myself, I have a great time doing it great time. And so one of the things that me and Ray, my wife, would do when we were dating is uh, several times we went out and we learned how to swing dance. Now, if you don't know what that is, you're saying that's really random. Yes, it absolutely is. And so basically it's a 20s to 40s era, big band, fast movements, high energy, a lot of fun. And we would learn how to do this. And, and we had a great, at least I had a great time. I, I hope, I think she did. I think that. I thought about it, actually, but I, real, I did. I thought about it, and then I realized I don't remember any of it. So, like I said, I can't dance. Um, but um, I'm trying to think. What was it? Oh, gone, No. The thing about, no, I'm just kidding. The thing about dancing is that one has to lead with a partner. When you're dancing with a partner, one has to initiate the moves, and the other follows. If that's not happening successfully, you're not really dancing. You're more like wrestling in standing up. But when this is done right, it is a beautiful thing to watch. Two people dancing when it's like, how are they, how are they doing this in sync, right? You can kind of lose track of the movements and where does my foot go and what do I do next? And you can just enjoy the moment with that person. And church, what I think we see in Exodus 40, in a sense, is this divine dance. where You have hundreds of thousands of people in this wilderness not knowing where they're going, but they don't need to know because God is now with them and he's leading them. All they have to do is get up, Look at the sign of God's presence, this cloud by day, this fire by night. And if it was lifted from the tabernacle, it's like, okay, we're moving today. And if it stayed, they stayed. It was that simple. It was dependence and trusting God. They just had to let him lead and trust what he was doing. And church, God is the lead in this divine dance called our lives. And whenever we try to take the lead, we get chaos, 
in carnage. And so this idea of dependence is what I really want to dig into today. And I want to start by just talk, making a quick distinction here, and I want to start with the senses of dependence. Okay, what do I mean when I use this word? I want to make a quick distinction that, in one sense, all of creation is dependent on God for life, existence, and the continuation of reality, okay? Whether you believe in God or not, we believe that God is the one who created the world and is also sustaining it. These ideas are found in Colossians 1 and... I'm losing my notes here. Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1 as well, where in Colossians... Can I read on the screens, guys? There we go. All things were created by Jesus, for Jesus. He is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together consist, stand together. Hebrews 1.3, he, Jesus, is the brightness of his glory, the express image of God himself, and upholds all things by the word of his power. That we believe, as crazy of a concept as it is, that God is the one who is keeping the sun shining right now, the seasons um, going, the world rotating, our brain keeps telling our hearts to beat and our lungs to breathe without us even thinking about it, because God is merciful and is sustaining our life right now. Now that is the case. That is dependence in a subconscious sense, okay? This is a distinction. That's not really what I want to talk about today so much. Whether you're a believer or unbeliever, God is upholding and sustaining your life and the world. But there is another sense of dependence, and this is what I want to zone in on today. There is a, a sense in which we are consciously dependent on God. We as believers, we depend on God for something more than just life survival and the continuation of reality, right? There is a deeper awareness of our need for God. And we primarily experience this in the gospel. When we become aware of, okay, God is real, sure. Anyone can believe that, James says. But when you understand, wow, I am a sinner and I am an enemy of God and I need a savior to save me from my sin, in that point, you enter into a deeper sense of dependence where you put your trust in Jesus and say, Lord, my life is yours. My heart is yours. I am submitting to you and I am dependent on you for my salvation. But church, that's not where it ends. When you depend on God for your salvation, you are entering into a new life in which dependence on God is the everyday normal. Are you with me? Are you with me? Because I think a lot of times God feels a little distant from the everyday functions of life, does he not? I mean, how many times did you think about, were you consciously aware that you were dependent on God as you ate breakfast and drank coffee this week, right? We're not. But I want to say, and I want to heighten our awareness this morning of how dependent we really are on God. So I'm going to make that distinction, and next I want to move on to, okay, the elements of dependence. Okay, let's talk about what, what this dependence is. Let's get into the weeds here a little bit. So in the sense we're referring to, this is what I mean. Dependence is an awareness of and a faith in the presence of God indwelling and working through us. So I want to ask three questions as we work through the elements of dependence. And one is, what is it? What is dependence? And it's this, dependence is an awareness of and faith in the presence of God indwelling us and working through us. That is, as Christians, I become aware of God's presence in me. The Israelites had it with them, but we as new covenant believers, we have the presence of God within us, church corporately and individually that God literally we believe he indwells us now and so it is me being aware of that and believing that believing that God is not just in me but he is working in my life he is freeing me from sin he is drawing me closer 
into intimacy with my God, with my Father. And then he is also now working the same through me to the world and the people around me. That is dependence, okay? And we're going to look at, okay, how, do, how does that now flesh out in examples in everyday life? But here's the deal. This dependence, church, requires real faith in a real God. That sounds so basic, but go with me for a minute here. Do you realize if we believe the claims of Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through him, then that by default means that if Jesus is the true God, then that means all other world religions don't have the true God. Are you with me? Does that make sense? That's not popular, but that's what we believe. And the, 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 the crazy reality is this, is that they can have millions of followers. They can impact entire societies and nations without a true God. That's what that's saying. What about us? What about our faith and our church? Do you realize there's American churches that believe in Jesus or churches anywhere? I mean, we just happen to be in America that claim the name of Jesus, but to accomplish the mission they have, to accomplish the, the purpose that they are trying to accomplish, they really don't need a real God. Do you realize, church, that we can inspire people, that we can help people live better lives, that we can impact change in our community, we can help people, we can help free people from addiction, and we don't need God to do it. Does that sound like blasphemy? Good, that means I have your attention. We don't need God to do it. Then the next question, the, 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 um, there was a Chinese Christian church, and I, I've shared this before, but there was a Chinese Christian that came and toured churches in America. And as he looked at these churches and saw how they function and their programs and all that stuff, this was his conclusion. He said, wow, I'm amazed at how much the American churches can accomplish without the Holy Spirit. That should sober us. That's just sober us because the dependence I'm talking about, it has a mission. It has a goal. And if the mission of our church, if the mission of our life, if the mission of our families can be accomplished without the supernatural working and presence of God in us, there's something seriously wrong. We have the wrong mission. We have the wrong purpose. We have the wrong goal. Do you realize that if that is the case, we are lost as a church? We are lost as a church. Oh, here are my notes. So the next question is then, what are we dependent for? If we don't need God to do all that good stuff I just mentioned, to accomplish all those cool things, right? Those are good things. Amen? Those are good things. But there's a lot of humanitarian, humanist organizations that can do all that stuff without any faith in God, without any faith in a real God. So what I'm saying is this dependence requires a real faith and a real God. And we all here, I think, we'd say, okay, I believe in God, right? That's why we're here. But you know there's moments that you come to in life where you're like, okay, I believe God's real, but wow, I really need him to be real right now. I need, and your faith, your faith digs into the ground and it has to go a whole lot deeper. Because God, if you don't show up here, I don't know how I'm going to keep moving forward. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how this relationship is ever going to be reconciled or restored. I need you to act. And all of a sudden, God becomes a lot more real, doesn't he? But my fear, church, is that we can settle for a God who is real enough to accomplish whatever we think God is trying to accomplish. Rather than looking at scripture and saying, what is God, what is the purpose of all this? What is the mission of our church? And so then that brings us to our second question. What are we dependent for then? 
What is it that we are dependent for? If we can do all that stuff without God, then why do we need God? Why do we need God, church? And this is why. Because we are called to glorify God by walking with Him and following His Spirit in obedience and surrender. We are called to glorify God, to behold the Lord and worship Him and say, wow, you're everything I want and need. You're everything that is worthy of worship. And to be obsessed and lost in that reality and then help the whole world join us in that. To say, God is awesome and I need Him and I want Him. He's everything. What do I have to give for Him? What do I have to sell? What do I have to give up for Him? And to help the whole world see that and glorify Him. How do we do that? Through obedience and surrender to the Spirit within us. And to do that, we absolutely need a real God. Absolutely need a real God. There's no way of achieving that church on our own apart from God. There's no way of glorifying God. He says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Dependence doesn't play games. It doesn't play the religious game with a God that's real enough. 1 John 2.19 says this. Man, I am jumping all over the place today. He says this. They, talking about people that left the faith and did their own thing. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have remained with us, but they went out revealing that none of them were of us. If that sounds like gibberish, here's what he's saying. There are people that left the faith, right? And the reality is, is they never had a real God. They were just playing the religious game, and when God wasn't enough for them, they said, okay, I'm moving on to something else. Instead of going deeper and saying, man, I need a, I need a real God, actually. I need a God that is, is real, not just the God of my own making, or the God that's real enough. And my fear is, church, is that that is some of you in this room, is that you don't have the real God. You have a God that is real enough to suit your purposes and your desires. And we cannot accomplish the glory of God on our own. We cannot glorify God in our flesh. What does the word say? Our, our works are filthy rags, our good things we do. You need the spirit of God within you. And when you have that spirit, how do you then follow the spirit in obedience and surrender? And that's where we go to next. So this changes everything, church. This reality of what our mission is. Because this is no longer God is my life. God is a part of my life or some deity that I try to give priority to. This is God is my life. He is everything. He is in everything. Everything I do is, is about him and for him. Everything. There's not this weird kind of balancing of worlds where it's like I love God and serve him, but I'm kind of like, and then, and then I, I'm over here not doing something bad, but just I don't know what God has to do with this. I don't, and there's this weird kind of way that we live, right? I feel this tension of like, okay, there's like God and these ideals and these sermons that we preach. And then there's like real life. And there's like this disconnect. Like, how do I, how do I do, like pray without ceasing, Paul? What, what, what does that mean? Abide in me, Jesus says. Like, how do I actually do that always? And I think this is the key, church. It is dependence upon the Spirit and learning how to do that. And this right here, this next, so we see the senses of dependence, the elements of dependence, and now this is the key and this is the kicker. This is the requirement of dependence. That in order to depend on God in a way that we glorify Him, where our joy and our peace and we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit and living for His glory in the eating and drinking, like really, come on, Paul. How am I supposed to do that? There is a requirement, church. Luke 14, 26 says this. If anyone comes to me, and does not hate 
His father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now you've heard this scripture before. Obviously this, this doesn't mean have malice and ill will and despise your life and those closest to you. This is the idea, I love Kyle Adelman said it like this, that in the competition for your love, for your love, for your affection, for your worship, there is no competition. God is the only one on the track. It's not like, okay, as long as I keep God up here and, you know, my spouse, my family, my children, my job, whatever, is all back here a little ways, just make sure God is far enough ahead. No, 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 no. God is the only one on the track. Everything else is about him. My spouse, my marriage is about Jesus. My job is about Jesus, whatever it is. And that means that we lay down our own agenda and desires so that we can serve God's agenda and desires, church. And this is what's, this is what's sad, and this is where we're really getting into the nitty-gritty right here, okay? Because we are not aware of all the agendas and desires that we go and seek on a daily basis. I think what happens is we start, we're, we're getting closer to being aware of them when they go unfulfilled, when, when, they, when we don't get to realize them. And it's just, I'm talking about the simple things, the daily frustrations, the daily pains where it's like, man, or I want to avoid that relationship, or I'm afraid of this happening. And we're not even aware of this subconscious narrative going on in our mind because like we talked about three weeks ago, this is so closely tied to idolatry in the golden calf that our hearts are idol-making factories and I'll say it like this, our hearts are agenda and desire making factories. There's continually, when we get up, when we go about the day, our flesh is continually striving for things and desiring things and craving things. And a lot of times, we're not even aware of it. And some of you have been serving God and serving your own agenda and desires for all of your life. You have ways of satisfying your needs if, if God doesn't come through. You have coping mechanisms if God doesn't show up or meet you at the timetable, then, then you have ways of satisfying yourself. You have ways of meeting your needs and fulfilling your desires, church. And what I'm saying is that dependence leans into God to a degree where those things, those things are, we have to give those up, where God is literally everything. And the simplest way I can define dependence is this. Dependence is simply resting in the agenda of God. It is simply resting in the agenda of God and that alone. And church, that is such a place of freedom. And that sounds nice. That is incredibly hard. Because we are always making agendas. We're always making desires. And I'm going to talk about what that means. I'm going to give you an illustration, an example from my life of what that looks like, church. Dependence is simply resting in the agenda of God. So let me try to share this from my life, okay? There's a process I want to work through here. And this process, I'm going to first talk about the process of how we get back to dependence. Because a lot of times, we don't start in a place of dependence. Very, very few times do I start my day, and I'm not even aware of it, but very few times do I start my day in dependence on the Lord. A lot of times I have hopes, I have plans for that day that are not necessarily, uh, God is there, I'm acknowledging Him, He's in my life, I do my devotions, all that stuff, but I can do all of that and still hold these agendas in my life. And so this process I want to work through right now is how you realize and become more aware of those desires that are trying, you're trying to fulfill your need outside of God. Now, hear me. There's a lot of things I can't caveat here, okay? There's a lot, this is a huge concept and this covers what I'm talking about is all of our life, is all the little moments in our life. So this is huge. I can't cover everything. So you really need to take this to the Lord and ask him, how do you apply this in your life? 
But you are going to need to come back to dependence more often than you realize and probably more often than you feel like you can start there, okay? So I want to work through this process. The, the way that I come to realize and become aware that I am not depending on the Lord is first there's an alarm that goes off. The alarm, okay? Something is wrong. I feel overwhelmed. I am angry. Or it's just even a subtle, a subtle sense of, man, I'm just off. Like my joy and my peace are just gone right now. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know why. Or maybe you do. You're like, this is why my joy and peace is gone. This is why I, I can't love someone right now. Because this, if this gets fixed, but here's the, here's the reality, the harsh reality. This may sound harsh, but there is never an excuse for a child of God not to bear the fruit of the Spirit. There's never a circumstance or situation in which we are unable to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And whenever we're unable to bear the fruit of the Spirit, that means you're in sin. That's the alarm. Something's wrong. I'm not able to bear the fruit of the Spirit right now. And a lot of times what we want to do is we want to just dismiss that. We want to put that down. We want to look around for someone to blame. We want to just say, oh, it's this event. If this gets fixed, that's fine. And I want to caveat this, okay? There's real hurt. There's real abuse and wrong that people do to us, okay? I'm not, I'm not negating that, but I want to say, okay, there's a way in which we respond. And when you come to the point where you, you're unable to bear the fruit of the Spirit and you can't love and you don't have the joy and peace of God, then there is something wrong. And you need to listen to that. You need to listen. That is your friend. That alarm goes off, it is your friend. Don't smash it. Don't hit snooze, okay? It, it's saying something's wrong, needs to be fixed. Next then is the search. What is wrong? What is the source of this? Where is this coming from? And a lot of times, church, when you ask that question, you're beginning to face it, and that's not fun, but this is the way to freedom. This is the way to freedom, church. And what I'm talking about, it can be the simplest thing or it can be the darkest thing in your life, this process right here. And, and the reason I'm talking about this process is because this is my life for the past. This is my adulthood right here. This is my life. This is like, I don't even know how many times these past couple weeks. And I'm gonna walk you through one situation um, in the, that, that I experienced and went through this process. So the search, what is the source? And a lot of times, I don't even know. I can't find it. I don't know why I want to cuss right now. I don't know why I'm overwhelmed. I don't know why I'm experiencing lust or anger or anxiety. And so I, what happens is I have to go to God and I have to say, Lord, I don't know what's wrong right now. But something's off and I'm unable to experience the fruit of the Spirit right now. And wait, what's happening? I'm getting back to dependence. Here I am before God saying, I can't find this. I can't do this. I can't function. Something is wrong. I need you, Lord. I need you. And as I wait on him, as I go to him and wait, eventually the revelation. He reveals the revelation. Sin is exposed. This is, again, this is not fun. This is freedom. Because then God reveals something and it's like, oh, I am trying, it could be something simple like, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to feel valuable from my own performance at work as a husband and as a parent, whatever it is, or I'm wanting so-and-so to think this about me or affirm me in this way, or I'm wanting to feel this, or I'm wanting to avoid this pain that God is calling me to face, or I am afraid of this over here. If this happens and this happens and that's gonna happen, so let me kind of, you know, juggle and see if I can do all these things to manipulate the outcome that's gonna be favorable for my flesh. Are you with me? Are you with me? Start becoming aware of this in your life. 
because we do it all the time. I may have an extreme case of this, okay? But this happens, church. This is navigating our heart and, and, and working through our relationship with God so that we can learn dependence and get to a place where we really can live lives of faith, lives that please God, not by our performance, but by resting in the agenda and desires of God and getting to that place where you're enough, Lord. I don't need anything. So what happens when I have the revelation and sin is exposed? Next comes the remedy. Repent and return. And again, I may not be ready to repent. When God shows me the revelation, it may be, wow, this is unfair. I don't like what your desire is for me, God. I don't like what you're calling me to. I'm afraid of that. God, you feel so cruel right now. And in that moment, you need to learn how to vent to your God. You need to learn how to come before your father and get honest with him. And I'm not talking, you know, the, the, uh, the kind of clean bad feelings. You know what I'm saying? Like, bring the dirt. Say, God, I don't believe you're good. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this in my life. I'm tired of you keep doing this. I'm tired of you not coming through in this area. I'm tired that this is taking so long. What is wrong? What are, have you read Job? It's not clean. It's a very messy book. But here's the key, church. When you come to your father with those real raw, because your father doesn't want to just know what, what the, the facts are. He wants to know how you're feeling. And a lot of times what we're feeling is junk, is sin, it's not right. But it's what we're feeling. And the father, how incredible is his love and mercy that he says, no, 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 I want that. I want you to tell me that. What? You want me to tell you that? Yeah, but here's the deal. Don't stop there. Find the truth. Go to his word. What does he say? What is the truth? Okay, God, I am not, I am not feeling this right now, but I am complete in you. I want, I want affirmation and I want to feel, I want my spouse to complete me. I want to feel, you know, she completes me or I want so-and-so to affirm me or I want to feel like this or I want to be this, God. But your word says that you're enough. Your word says that you're good. Your word says that I'm complete in you. Colossians again. And so I am going to believe that. I'm going to make a choice now. This is dependence, church. I'm making a choice to trust your word, even though I am not feeling like you're enough. Even though I'm feeling like I am not complete right now. Even though I feel like junk and I feel like everybody hates me or I look bad or whatever, however extreme it is or however petty it is, take it to God. This is the process of learning dependence, church. So this is how this happened in my life, okay? Two weeks ago, I had a very bad day. It was Wednesday, I was going to Connection Group that night, was not feeling it, right? Was ready to just be done. And I have a fender bender at Shaw and Palm right there, right? Uh, the light turns green, cars start going, I look down, I look up, cars are stopped. Bam. It was a little scratch, wasn't much. I was like, okay, this sucks, but it's probably not that big a deal. Hopefully it's not something astronomical. Well, the next day I get a text, and it was astronomically higher than I thought it would be to fix it. I said, hey, let's try to keep insurance out of this. I'll take care of it. Let me know. And I was like, what? That's going to cost this? And in that moment, the alarm was going off. Something was seriously wrong. I had no, my joy, my peace was gone. Okay? There was no whole, it was, it was gone. And so I went on the search. I was like, I'm done. I'm coming in here. I came in, I was working. I came in here. I just turned on some worship music and I sought the Lord and I vented. And I said, okay. I'm really struggling here, all right? I, I'm a mess. And, and, and a lot of us would say, okay, well, sure. 
sure, I mean, it's going to cost a lot of money, that sucks, but you'll get through it and it'll be all right. And, and, and we try to like say how it's going to be okay or convince ourselves of something. Don't. Just stop. Just stop. Let the alarm go off. Listen. And then go on the search and say, okay, Lord, I, I, here I am. Here's my heart. What's actually wrong here? Because this is deeper. This is deeper than just some event or circumstance that happened. And this is what God showed me. It's two things. I didn't trust God with my finances. I had plans and agendas and desires for my finances, okay? I wanted to feel this, this sense of freedom that I'm not throwing away all this money because of some stupid mistake I made, but I have enough to take my wife out on nice dates, which after last week, I can do that a couple times now because of you guys, so thank you for that. But in that moment, I wasn't trusting God. I had desires and agendas for my finances rather than saying, okay, Lord, what is the truth here? The truth is that my finances are yours and you take account of my mistakes. Just because I make some mistake doesn't mean it's the end of the world. You've got my money. It's yours. I need to rest in your agenda. That doesn't mean, I mean, my mind has crazy lies. You're never going to take your wife out on a nice date again. You lost all your money. Like, I mean, I, I know it's insane, but the feeling's still like dagger. And so I have to go find the truth. Second thing was this, that I had taken on false identities, that I was the man. I was a good husband. I'm the provider. I take care of my wife. And here I am wrecking her car. Then now we have to spend our money. So the consequences are we don't have the money that she wants to spend on other things. So Hunter, provider, good husband, the man, strong, whatever. You're a failure, son. You didn't do too well, did you? And so I felt destroyed. I felt destroyed. But what's the reality? Let's find the truth now. The remedy? Get back and say, okay, Lord, I do want to be the man for my wife. I want to be the stud. I want to be the guy that she can lean on. And here I just failed her with a stupid mistake. What's the truth? That I'm not my wife's savior. I'm not the man. God is the man she needs. I just need to be his child. But what wronged, what, do you see now? All this stuff that went wrong and stole my joy and my peace because I had all these agendas and desires that I had to come lay before the Lord and say, okay, this is the truth. You're enough. You got my finances. And I'm not going to tell the end of the story. It worked out a lot better than you think, but I think it misses the point of what I'm trying to say here. So that process right there, church, is, is, is a way in which we work back to dependence. So we get to that place of resting in God's agenda alone. But how do we be proactive about this? How do, we, how do we try and, and, and get to a place where we can start our days in that, free, in that freedom of, of God? Like, like literally, do you realize you can trust God? Like this is what's hard is when preachers told me that all my life, I'd be like, well, yeah, I can trust God, but that might involve some painful things. So can I really trust God? What's going on? I had agendas and desires. Avoid pain, find comfort. Find the happy American dream life. Can I trust God for that? No. No. He never promised that. He never said, Hunter, you can have that. Maybe, what can I trust God for? That he's enough. That he's everything I need. That he is the source of my joy and my life. The intimacy with him is better than it, than it all. But God, I want a spouse. I want companionship. I want someone that I can live my life with. 
God, God's not promising that to you. He's promising that he's enough. He's promising that he's good. Well, God, I want my kids to turn out, or I want a nice retirement, or I, whatever it is. God's not promising, and, and this is where you got to do some hard work. Because now, ooh, you can't play the game anymore. Because that's going to go one or two ways. God, I'm not okay with that. See you later. Or God, I really need to know you a lot more. Because right now, you're not good enough for me. Right now, I really need ABC plus you. Oh, church, this is the only way to live the Christian life, man. Can God get, and, and go, when you go through this process, when you become aware and you face those things, whether it's the darkest things in your life or just the everyday things, man, that is the way to live the Christian life, is the life of faith and dependence on His Spirit. What was I saying? How do we start our day like this? Okay, how do we start our day like this? When we get to that place of freedom where it's just, it's just God, I'm just resting in Him. When you can get up in the morning or whenever and you can get in a mindset that, that you, you start to release things from your heart. You start to release things. Okay, what do I want today? I'd really like that to work out. Because and trust me, when you do this, you're gonna find things you didn't realize you wanted. Just assumptions that we have. I assume I'm going to have a cup of coffee in the morning. As simple as that. Or I assume my wife's going to make dinner or work's going to go well and I'm going to feel really good at all I accomplish. I, I just assume those things and when they don't happen, I'm like, I feel like garbage. Why? An alarm is going off. And that's just like, I mean, that's just kind of petty stuff, right? There's bigger things. There's bigger assumptions, expectations. When you can start to release those, and I think a good way that we can pursue and, and begin to start releasing those things is Psalm 139. Just bringing that to the Lord. I feel like I pray it up here quite often. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Lord, okay, here I am. You know what's in here. You know what's going on. Would you find, would you find the junk? Would you search me? Try me. Know my concerns. You know what I want. You know my agendas. You know my desires. And see if there's any rebellious way in me. What is that? Those are those ways of providing for our needs outside of God. That's idolatry. Looking to anything other than God to give you what only God can supply. Right? We define it in all those ways. See if there's any rebellious way in me. God, find these agendas and desires that I have that I don't know. And sometimes, church, that's, you're not going to get to that place. That is knowing God. Where throughout the day, you can expect Him and should and pray that he reveals those things throughout the day of, Hunter, Hunter you're leaning on this. Hunter, you're, you're trying to pursue this outside of me. You're, you're trying to get affirmation over there. It's not gonna work, buddy. He'll reveal those things throughout the day. Sometimes he doesn't allow me to start my day like that. It doesn't mean I don't have joy in his presence. It just means that it's a work in progress as he works through life with me. And lead me in the ancient way, in the everlasting way. Lead me in that way in which I am depending on you and resting in you. I don't know what else the ancient way could be. I don't think we'd get any more ancient than Enoch. Walking with God. Resting in him. Living a life that pleases God in faith. God, lead me in that way. And oh, church, that we would begin to start our days like that. So that we could learn how to do the dishes for God's glory. We are dependent. Because you can do the dishes. You can take care of your kids. You can get through your day without the supernatural natural work of God. His common grace is enough. His common grace is given all people, but in order to do all those things for his glory, you absolutely need to walk in the Spirit. That's what it means when Paul, man, there's so, 
Ah, I just get overwhelmed when I preach because it's just all this stuff is connecting, all these scriptures. And so this is how I want to end today. I know I've talked a long time. I'm sorry. Let daily life, church, let daily life push you deeper into this dependence. Let the daily things of life, Lord, okay, here I am. I'm getting up. I got to go to work. I can do this because your common grace is enough. But Lord, how do I do this in a way that glorifies you? How do I go to work? How do I navigate my relationships? How do I hang out with my friends? How do I go to the movies? How do I, I mean, let's talk about the real stuff, right? How do I listen to music? How do I go to the movies? How do I do all this neutral stuff that's kind of like, I don't know what to do with that, you know? Like, how do I do that to your glory? And if you can't find a way to do something to the glory of God, church, that means you probably shouldn't be doing it. You know, I mean, that's getting real. If you can't watch a movie to the glory of God, then you probably shouldn't be doing it, right? But you, you, you go and you depend on the Spirit and say, Lord, how do I do this for your glory? What does it look like to live for your glory today? Because in that is, that's, that's, that's our agenda. That is our mission. That is our purpose as a church. It's to, it's to find out how to do that in our lives and then go make disciples that do that. Do you get this, church? Let daily life push you deeper into dependence on God because the only life that pleases God, don't fool yourself, <clears throat> don't deceive yourself. The only life that pleases God is the life that is lived in dependence on the Spirit by faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Lord, give us ears to hear. Father, as your people in the wilderness, as we end this book, Exodus, Lord, just seeing this pattern of man, when you move, I move. When that, when that cloud was lifted up, they moved. They simply follow. All they had to do was follow and listen and trust you. But so many times, God, our heart takes us in so many different directions. Our flesh craves so many things that are temporary. And Lord, there's a renewing of our mind that has to take place so that we want and desire this kind of dependence on you, Lord. So that we want you and that you are enough in the midst of all these other things, Lord, that we could desire, that we do want. And that, God, would you be enough for us? Would you draw us closer to you, Lord? As we sing right now, Lord, may you be glorified in our worship. Lord, may these lyrics teach our heart, teach our mind. Would you cause us to walk in deeper dependence this week? We love you. It's in Jesus' name.